uh -huh. invest in and follow principles that has proved to be pretty successful. This landlord's gonna make almost two million bucks over the next 12 years for doing something one time. Mm -hmm. And that's like residual. This guy's got another seven retail spaces and he's got 10 stories of apartments about it. And I'm like, man, I'm on the wrong side of the coin, right? I need to own real estate, not broker it. You start doing deals that are absolutely life-changing, like that put you on the path for intergenerational wealth. Welcome to the Real Estate Home Runs podcast. I am your host, Louis Van der Horst. This is a podcast for busy professionals who want to learn about passive income producing strategies that have helped others crush it in the real estate world. Whether you are a new or seasoned real estate investor, this is the podcast for you. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I, so I actually got an engineering degree. Um, so I have a tech background, which is a little strange actually for real estate. Um, but I think it's actually come in handy a lot. Uh, you know, I find real estate to be a very analytical, um, industry. And so I think my kind of background in math and tech has really helped. Um, but I actually spent 10 years in digital advertising before this and kind of, um, uh, that was actually a super fun industry. That industry was kind of moving from being, uh, you know, more print and magazine to online over the 10 years and found to be a great place. And I think one thing I learned is I have a lot of passion for kind of being in the industry that's, that's being um, innovated by tech, which I definitely think real estate is heading in that direction uh, or is, is in the middle of it right now. Um, and so um, along the way, I, uh, uh, my best friend growing up, um, actually it's kind of, kind of funny story. <clears throat> uh, I was, had no plans to get into real estate. Uh, didn't, my parents didn't know real estate. This was like 2011. No one wanted to even talk about real estate back then. And, uh, my best friend growing up and I, we were going to a bachelor party in Pittsburgh and anybody who knows Pennsylvania, um, we were starting in, uh, like York, Pennsylvania, uh, and basically got on the, the turnpike and, and drove from the turnpike all the way over to, to Pittsburgh. Anyone who's on that drive before knows it's not the most exciting drive. And so we had some time to talk and um, he kind of kicked off the uh, drive by saying, you know, uh, I, I mean, I've this for a while. I think we should like invest in real estate. And it's kind of out of nowhere. And I, I honestly, I paid a little mind to it first. And I thought, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, invest in real estate. Um, I didn't, I never even thought about it. I never even crossed my mind. Um, and I for sure wasn't passionate about it. But, um, you know, I guess by the end of three hours, the, the, the pitch went like this, basically, hey, you know, if we invest for the long term and use an analytical approach, you know, no matter where the cycles go, you know, because at that point, it turns out we were at a, a low point in the cycle. Yeah. And that's a great time to invest. But we didn't know that, right? I mean, and we've never claimed to be able to predict cycles. I, you know, nobody could have seen COVID coming, right? So the, the, the pitch was really, instead of trying to, um, uh, you know, figure out where cycles are and, or try to flip homes or anything, let's just mm -hmm. buy for the long term. Let's buy assets that we feel good that we would want to own in 20 years. Mm -hmm. and, and if we do that, um, you know, come back in 20 years, 30 years, we should own some properties that we'd be excited about. And so the... The, the goal was, I'll never forget, the goal was, could we buy one property a year? Hmm. And so I said, gosh, that sounds like a lot. And I, I said, all right, well, let's, let's, let's buy one. Let's see what happens. And so yeah. um, that kind of kicked off a search for the first property. And, uh, you know, things from there, I, I, um, I, I kind of seem to go like all in on something if I'm going to do it. And uh, I think after buying the first property, I was looking for number two, like two weeks later. So the, uh -huh. the buy one a year didn't last very long. Yeah. Um, and it, and it quickly became basically what I did. I mean, in my, there was no difference between, uh, free time and work time. And it just became learning about real estate. Um, and, uh, that, that eventually led to us starting a property management company. Um, and, uh, eventually, uh, investing in different kinds of real estate, commercial and residential, um, and then, and then a few other kind of real estate asset, you know, entities along the way. Um, and yes, yeah, learned a lot and then started a podcast. So, uh, and I feel like I'm, you know, every day I'm learning more and more, uh, you know, so that's, that's kind of the, I don't know, the brief background of kind of where we are. Awesome. Yeah. And, and there are, um, so many niches in real estate too, that, um, you can, invest in as many as you want or just focus on one and still be 
be a profitable endeavor. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think, I think one thing we've tried to avoid is doing things just because it seemed to be the slice of the day. Um, I think we tried to do things that always made sense to us, which, which, you know, it sounds so cliche, but I just, mm-hmm. you know, um, we never really wanted to follow the masses. We want to just, you know, mm-hmm. invest in and, and, and follow principles. And then uh, that, that has proved to be pretty successful. And I think the other thing we really believe in is community. Um, and so, uh, you know, I mean, I am like full-fledged crazy. I, uh, I've been going through withdrawal here during COVID, but I probably on a monthly basis, I probably go to like eight meetups a month, like no joke. Um, eight real estate events of some kind, a conference uh, meetup or whatever. Um, most of them are free, by the way, you know. And uh, and I've been doing that now for like seven years. And, uh, you know, it's amazing what you learn. I mean, not everyone's great. Some are, some are a complete waste of time. And other times you meet people that literally change your life. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll tell some of the stories on the way here tonight. But yeah. I think that's like been a huge asset to us is just – uh, kind of digging into the community. And when mm-hmm. I first got into real estate, I had this belief that I, I actually really remember this. I, the first time I ever made a real estate model or performa, I had this fundamental belief that I didn't want to share it with anyone because I thought, gosh, if I share this model, like everybody's going to know how we invest in, like they're going to take all our good deals. And, and so I was like really careful about what I said and people would ask us how we're investing and I, I would be really coy about it and I wouldn't really talk about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, have I changed my, my belief there. Uh, I've come full circle and now it's the exact opposite. I'll tell everyone what we do. I, I'll frankly tell them how we do it. And what I have found is by being really vocal about what we do, there's so much more positive to come from that than the mm-hmm. potential negative of, of other people kind of learning how you do things that um, that's now become my belief. And so, we, you know, if anybody ever wants to know anything, um, you know, we do it like this and we, we, we tell any, basically any secret we have, we'll usually divulge and, and uh, the positives from that have way outweighed the negatives. Uh, mm-hmm. So we huge believer in just creating community, try to help people wherever we can along the way. And, and then good things kind of come back in return. That's good. I once um, heard a quote that says that if you help enough people with their needs, eventually your your needs are going to be met uh, through that, and and it goes, it adds to what you're saying. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing. And um, you mentioned that real estate investing is uh, something that you see as a long term investment. There are other types of investments that we can do. Um, without counting real estate, why real estate was the one that stood out to you particularly? Yeah. I mean, to get started, to be honest, it was just the one that Nate pitched me in the car. So, uh, you know, it wasn't (laughs) like we didn't go around saying like, well, we've got oil and gas and then we've got stocks and bonds. I mean, Nate just happened to pitch real estate. I I told someone the other day that uh, I said, you know, I could probably get pretty passionate about like toilet paper. You know, if, if I spend enough time on it, I'd probably get passionate about it. So I, I think I have a bit of a personality like that where, uh-huh. um, you know, I, I, I like kind of digging deep on a topic. And so I don't know if it's, you know, real estate or other things. I will say the one, one, a couple things I like about real estate, and I know mm-hmm. um, Nate, my business partner who I talk about a lot, he often says, you know, he has trouble investing in anything he can't really control. And so mm-hmm. I think one thing we like about real estate is, uh, you know, the ability to actually make a difference. If you invest in Apple stock, you know, you, you know, look, uh, you know, an Apple board is not going to call you looking for advice, right? Hey, can you really make a difference um, in that asset? That's hard to say, right? Um, whereas, you know, real estate, for better or worse, you, you can make a difference. And so I think we've been drawn to that, to the ability to, um, you know, be proactive and, and, and make a difference, uh, in, in, in various ways. Uh, and, and then even when we do passive investing, it's kind of interesting. Like even when I invest passively in projects and that could be real estate or I invested in, um, a, a wedding venue. Um, if anyone happens to know Joshua Callen, we've had him in a couple of our meetups, just an amazing entrepreneur. And, uh, he, uh, builds out these wedding venues, which, which are very different from what I'm an expert in uh, or not an expert, I'm knowledgeable in, I guess. And, uh, and yet, even though we invest passively, 
we're still involved in any way we can. So I talk to Josh at least once a month about various topics. Um, my wife happens to be a, a bit of a social media expert. And so she's actually been able to help him a lot on the social media side. So mm -hmm. one thing we think is that like, if we're going to invest in a project, we like to add value wherever we can and, and feel like we're somewhat connected to the project, even if we're passively investing. And so I think that's a little different than stocks where, or, or bonds or, mm -hmm. you know, other projects where you, you can't really kind of uh, be the, I don't know, your, your energy level can't really impact necessarily the gains on the project. Yes. Something bad goes wrong and you can't just spend a weekend trying to fix it, I guess. So. Mm -hmm. And, and you need a, a team for real estate too. And, and as you're, adding value to people, you're networking and stuff, you're able to uh, build that team and connect with others. Um, and with other type, types of investments, you, you can do that, um, but you are perhaps limited in, in to the capacity that you can invest. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. I wanna make a point on, um, I hear a lot of people, I meet a lot of people at meetups, and the casual will go like this. There'll be someone I've never seen before. And I'll say, hey, what are you doing? Like, how, what, what's your, you know, how are you going to invest? Or what are you doing in real estate? And I don't know if someone's out like coaching this, but I hear the same thing over and over. They'll shake my hand and say, well, I haven't invested yet, but I'm building my team. I'm building my team. And, um, and then I never see the person ever again. Yeah. Right? Uh, like, they're just gone. gone. I don't know where they went. And I don't know if there's someone out there coaching, like, you should go to one meetup and shake everyone's hand and say you're building a team and then never come back again. Um, but and I, I bring up that point because I guess I just, I fundamentally believe that, uh, people will talk a lot about building a team. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we actually don't believe in building a team. We believe in building really solid long-term relationships. Mm -hmm. And actually I would rather less than more. And, mm -hmm. and here's kind of my fundamental belief on this in real estate, mm -hmm. rather than knowing 50 people right? Mm -hmm. And feeling like I can check the box on every single thing I might need in real estate. Mm -hmm. That's like really hard to do and really hard to maintain a really awesome relationship with all those folks. Mm -hmm. What I've always tried to do is say like, okay, I'm going to build like five to 10 long lasting, meaningful relationships, people who I really trust that I would like invite to my wedding, that level of trust. Mm -hmm. And then as you move in real estate, those people kind of keep going like higher up in their level and skill and right. And I found that those people, whenever I need someone, someone in that group can refer me someone. And I found that to be a way more beneficial way of building a uh, long lasting business. Because maybe it just fits my personality. Like maybe I'm just not like mm -hmm. a one to 50. I'm more like a, you know, like that kind of like close knit group. Um, mm -hmm. But like a lot about real estate is being able to trust people. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like so cliche, but I mean, I think about all the deals we've done where we've been burnt somewhere along that deal. We we've been, someone has not like broken a level of trust in that project, the project or, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that could be a contractor that could be a, mm -hmm. a business partner in the deal that could be a bank, but somewhere along each of those things that didn't go well or, mm -hmm. or the seller, Right. And I think about all the things we did that were like huge successes. And I mm -hmm. think the people involved in those, we were able to trust and we leaned on those relationships. So um, I guess I would just, you know, for what it's mm -hmm. worth, I would just challenge the, I think when people hear that do a lot of meetups, they think that like, you know, I'm just out there trying to like get to know a thousand people. And really what I'm trying to do is like find the like 10 to 15 most meaningful people I can mm -hmm. who kind of share our same ethos and, and way of thinking and way of doing business mm -hmm. and and that has led to i think a ton of success for us as opposed to this kind of just like mm -hmm. checking the box like oh i need yep. an insurance guy like great boxes checked as if like if you check enough boxes you're going to be a millionaire in real estate like that's just not i don't i don't find that to actually be the, the mm -hmm. way to build success so no that's good um and that's important for new and seasoned investors as they're going through this journey uh, because things change, people change, and you want to make sure that we're all, those core people in your team are building and going the same direction that you're headed. Um, and, totally. and we also have different seasons in lives, um, especially if you re relocate or you have kids. Um, or yeah, change your I'm, investment uh... criteria. 
been working on something for um, like a, a post for Facebook where, uh, and I'm not a designer, so I asked my wife to actually design it. But I, I had this like belief that like people think real estate investing is just like this straight line up and to the right, right? And like it's not mm -hmm. the reality, right? The reality is things happen along the way, and and as things change, you're gonna you're gonna lean on different people in different ways, and and so I think that you know that's ultimately where the trust thing comes in. Those those long lasting relationships are just way more sustainable. So that's good so uh let's talk about the uh big elephant in the room uh covet covet 19 has it um been something that uh, it, i mean you guys manage what four thousand or so many units and yeah so, it's uh, so yeah so yeah so our private management company is called slight house we manage uh four thousand units across four states mm -hmm. um it's basically a mid-atlantic company so pennsylvania new jersey maryland virginia um and it's really interesting. If you look at our rent collected, uh, let's just take February, March, April, May, it is shockingly flat. Um, I mean, uh, uh, you know, maybe April, and we're not quite done with May here yet, but April might have been down like 1%. Um, so shockingly flat. Uh, now, how we got there is really interesting. And obviously, we're still early in this pandemic, right? I mean, in some yeah. ways, we're in some ways we're maybe we're we're past the the peak, but the economic um, impacts this thing are going to go on for for years, right? And and just different um, hitting different people in different stages, different points. Uh, so I, I'm quick to say we're early on, but a, a couple of just trends that that we're finding. So one is um, A and B class definitely impacted less than C and D class, at least so far, right? Um, I'd say in general, our A and B class properties, you wouldn't even know anything's going on. Um, number two, a, a major housing shortage right now. By the way, I, I don't know anyone who's talking about this, but there is a, I mean, it, it's about to be a housing crisis. Um, huge housing shortage. We are right now sitting at 50% the marketed units that we were just four months ago. So if you look at our entire portfolio, the number of units that we have listed for rent is 50% the volume of four months ago. That makes no sense. If anything, seasonality is actually the opposite. So normally we actually see more units because there's more turnover in the summer. So that makes zero sense. And 50% is a big number. Like we're not talking 5%. So if we're seeing 50%, we think that's somewhat indicative of the marketplace. I've seen that number thrown around in a few different points but i've heard no one talking about this This is a, a major item to discuss and what that means for investors is just a, a, a shortage of supply it means that units are renting faster than ever which is really surprising we thought we would see it being really hard to rent um relying on technology more important than ever so we're seeing the real estate companies who are not very tech savvy are are just frankly in big trouble right now um we use digital lock boxes so people can do self showings without us even being there um mm. every, all of our units um we have our uh prime managers post a walkthrough video of the property as well as pictures uh and so what we're trying to create is this ability to literally rent a unit without ever touching us right without ever coming within forget about five feet without coming within a hundred feet of us right and mm. so um, it, I would say about one in three of our units are being rented sight unseen, nothing more than pictures and videos. Um, and then the other two thirds, most of those are being done by digital lockboxes when, when they can or other means of using tech um, to get people kind of in and out of the units. So hmm. I mean, that's shocking is major housing shortage um, and that's kind of leaning into investors. Okay, now hmm. to get okay. to the neg negative impact of COVID, uh, no question about it, it's been units that are in a turnaround process. So, and I would, you know, I think my one big caution is if you're looking to buy something that's going to be in a turnaround state, I'm not saying don't buy it, but I would push out that start date a little bit right now. Um, and when I say turnaround, I don't mean like fixing some floors. I mean, like we've got units in there that, that are rented that we are going to have to evict some people um, mm -hmm. you know, probably some tenants not paying rent or we want to like drastically increase rent or have to turn over the, the units. Um, and that's just because, and I mean, this isn't shocking to anyone, but evicting right now is basically ground to a halt for the last couple of months. And, uh, you know, I, I think we, I mean, we're starting to see some court dates get scheduled, 
But I, I think that, you know, it's going to be another two to three months before any kind of a normal eviction timeline. So mm-hmm. um, where we're seeing people get really stuck is where they bought, and it's not their fault, it's completely bad luck. But mm-hmm. like in January, they bought a, you know, 15, 20 unit apartment building that needed 10 of the units evicted over the next 60 days. And they got through a couple of evictions, but some of them weren't, you know, actually locked out yet. And now those evictions that were, that would have taken two months are now taking, are now six months in and, and still no, no sign of ending. Right. Um, so I, I think, you know, that's where we're seeing the biggest uh, impact. I would say by and large, we're seeing people who did invest in nice things for the units are being rewarded handsomely for that. Um, you know, I, I heard the quote, people are valuing their home more than ever. I think that's probably true. Right. Um, uh, and so, you know, I think that's being rewarded. We're actually seeing maintenance costs plummet, you know, so, um, you know, uh, why is that? I was causing that. Well, I mean, uh, you know, just, I mean, I, I guess go back to just the absolute most practical, um, thing there is really, really two things, right? So, uh, one driver is, uh, you know, that tenant who, had that door that wasn't closing properly, right, in their bedroom, mm-hmm. they're just going to fix it themselves now, <laughs> right? Like, or yeah. they just won't get it fixed, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so we're just seeing more, like, just, you know, kind of less of the squeaky wheel tenant. And I'm not, mm-hmm. like, judging either or, right? I'm just saying that's, that's, that's mm-hmm. happening less. Tenants just don't want us in their apartments in 2020. So, therefore, we're seeing maintenance costs come down. Uh, the other reason is just we're just seeing less turnover. I mean, in a world where you don't have evictions, uh, you have less, frankly, you just have less turnover of units. Um, and so with that also decreases maintenance costs. And, and I'm not talking like 5%. I'm saying, I mean, I, I mean, upwards of like 35% decrease in maintenance costs, at least um, across just what we, what we can see. And I, and I, I think, I think we'd be indicative of the larger, uh, marketplace, but uh, you know, I need some more data points there. But um, yeah. so, so those are some things we're seeing. Um, we are seeing that, and and I, I'd say like as I, you know, the next logical question here is, what's it look like going forward? Uh, I think there's no question. There's going to be different regional approaches. Um, I, I don't want to take a political stance one way or the other. I will mm-hmm. say it's not shocking that we are seeing more conservative, landlord-friendly areas, and I don't mean states, I literally mean, you know, by the township, um, are, um, you know, moving forward with things faster like evictions, um, you know, the more tenant-friendly areas, again, not super shocking here, we're going to probably see that get pushed out later, you know, I mean, as just some comparison, um, in York County, we're actually starting to see uh, lockouts get scheduled. Uh, and again, look, I know evictions are a hot topic for anyone in, you know, in the world, right? But we are trying to see that, uh, you know, whereas I look at places like New Jersey, Philly, Baltimore, which, which are in general more kind of tenant-leaning, uh, they're not even talking about it yet, right? It's, 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 and, and so I think we're looking at probably a couple months there. So I think we are going to see a bit of – and then that, that's, that's on the political side. Obviously, also the how hard an area was hit by COVID – um, we look at our Virginia territory, by, by the way, which, you know, it hit much less hard, um, much less impactful, uh, and much lower numbers. So, you know, we'd expect things to kind of uh, jump up quicker and also just lower unemployment rates, things like that. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I guess, the, and I, I know I've, I've covered a lot here, but I hope that this is helpful because we do see a lot of data. I think that mm-hmm. the two most shocking things to me that maybe people can take away is just major housing shortage. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. There is a major supply, lack of supply right now. Major housing shortage. In all the states that you guys manage. Everywhere, across the board, major housing shortage. And it's not that demand is higher, demand's lower. It's just that supply is so much lower and demand Mm. has not decreased as fast as supply has. So major Mm -hmm. housing shortage. And then um, just frankly, uh, you know, the sky hasn't fallen when it comes to rent collections. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a, a really good story overall um, mm-hmm. for the space. Um, even our commercial tenants, by and large, are paying. I think, obviously, the CARES Act is really helping. Um, mm-hmm. 
But, you know, I mean, we manage some, um, like right now I'm sitting in our headquarters, which is a co-working space. And, uh, you know, now we have a very diverse pool of tenants here. We have people who have, you know, four to five offices, and then we have people who are individual members. Um, but even our revenues in the co-working side, which you would think would be decimated. I mean, if you knew nothing, you would think like owning a co-working right now would be a disaster. Honestly, our revenue, our rent collection's down about five to 10%, which, you know, frankly, I'll say I, I, I take that in the co-working space. Um, mm. And again, I think the CARES Act is helping that. Yeah. Also a diverse pool of different people who rent different spaces. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's, that's overall a good story is, uh, you know, mm -hmm. things aren't nearly as bad as you might think in the COVID space. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, it seems like um, things are moving now where some areas that were on the red are now being, um, they're going to be changing to the yellow space. Yeah, I think um, that's right. I think, you know, I think the one thing I, I've really learned about this is, um, you know, every, every town is different, how they're reacting. And you mm -hmm. really need to have a pulse of what is going on in that town or, or have mm -hmm. a connection piece with your property manager there to just really understand, mm -hmm. you know, the nuances of how things are changing. And they change every week. I mean, it, you yeah, know, it's, it's, cool. uh, the, the rule book changes every week. And, and I think just kind of staying attuned to that. We, we've mm -hmm. tried to actually not watch any national media. It, it's, it's kind of has nothing to do with really, I mean, I, and uh, you know, regardless of what you're, whether you're a CNN fan or Fox news, either one doesn't help me much in my real estate investing. Like I find I'm, yeah. I'm really attuned to actually the local, the local newspaper in these different towns, um, the local governors, the local uh, mayors, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. the local judges, what's coming out of that, those areas are way more impactful than these national, because the national folks are going to where the story is. And the story today is, is in Brazil. Well, that doesn't impact. It has not, literally nothing to do with mm -hmm. Virginia Beach, Virginia, <laughs> right? It, yeah. So I think just trying to uh, stay away from kind of the, the media storm, again, regardless of what side you like or anything like that, and trying mm -hmm. to be more attuned to like, what's the reality in my, in my area, I think is really helpful to, to, mm -hmm. to making good decisions of where to go next. Yeah. Uh, especially since, I mean, we, we could be in a city and then drive a few minutes and now you're in the suburbs and, and the way you approach things in those areas are a lot different. Um, I hosted yeah. a, I hosted a call with someone from North Carolina, really smart dude. And somebody else, um, was on the call from, uh, New Jersey and asked the person from North Carolina, uh, what, what are your thoughts on COVID? The guy said, it's a complete overreaction. Haven't seen any impact in my business. Oh, Everyone I was here for that one. Yeah. Right. And then the, and on the same time, comments are coming in from New Jersey. Who yeah. the F is this guy? This guy's crazy. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, and so I think that is just, that's indicative of what's happening. And I think on the real estate side, just being really attuned to where you're investing, uh, you know, the, the beach town is very different from Philadelphia is very different from, the small town, you know, and very different from Baltimore. Just understanding these differences in, in areas, I think is like super, super important. It's only gonna get, only gonna change more, right? Cause it, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. these numbers keep changing, so. Yeah, um, thank you, yeah. Um, it's interesting to hear your thoughts on it, especially since you mentioned, yeah, you guys analyze so many properties and you, you're coming across so much information um, that, uh, can prove or disprove what we're hearing in the news and just seeing all of that is, is good. Yeah. Cool. So uh, to change things a little bit here, um, I'm going to throw you a little fastball. What has been your, or curveball as you want, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do like your baseball. favorite investment that you have bought? Yeah. So, uh, favorite investment. It's like, it, I guess it'd be like saying what's your favorite child or something. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's hard to differentiate, you know, a, a, a favorite I, I did. Um, I, uh, so I've got a couple and I, I, I know you're asking for one, but I'm going to a couple. Um, okay. but I think it's, it's, it's a couple of them kind of tell different stories of why we really liked them. Um, the uh, the first is is I, I do have a fondness for my first ever property I ever bought, uh, and one reason why I really like that, a it's performed really well, but it was also potentially the most simple property I ever bought, and it was 
just a single family home two blocks from Lancaster General in Lancaster, PA, uh, the, which is the local hospital. And uh, I think we paid 90K for it and it rented for like 950 a month. We bought it, I mean, we knew nothing about real estate. So we, I mean, we bought it the most traditional way you possibly can. We put 20% down, we had an inspection, you know, we, uh, we, had a, we had a real estate agent who knew nothing about investing, literally nothing, um, who showed us the property. And, uh, and even though all that happened, and in the first four to five years, we basically made no, no cash flow on the property. If all you were looking at was cash flow, which is what we were hoping for, it mm -hmm. made zero. It basically broke even for the course of five to six years. But what's crazy about that investment is uh, it's now worth like 165K. Um, and it's, it's boring. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, it, is, it, is, it doesn't make for a great story. It doesn't make for a good Facebook post. It is boring as all get out. And yet, what an amazing investment it's been. And so I guess the, the punchline for that is that sometimes boring can actually work out really well. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes we've over the years I find that when we, when we complicate something too much, sometimes it uh, it can backfire. Sometimes just mm -hmm. slow and simple and and boring can be really successful. So mm -hmm. I like that one. Yeah. Um, I uh, another deal I did that I really like is we bought a um, so we did a syndication where we actually uh, raised two million dollars, but we did it very unusually. We did Blind syndication. So we actually didn't tell the investors because well, we, we didn't know. We didn't have one asset. You know, usually when you do a syndication, you go out and you raise money and you're going you're to go buy one big multifamily building or one big commercial space for you know, 10 million or whatever. So in this case, we said, hey, look, we're actually going to go buy small and medium-sized buildings and a whole bunch of them. And we're going to diversify the syndication over, over a big area. And because mm -hmm. of that, we actually don't know where we're going to invest, but we're going to kind of call money as we need it. Mm -hmm. And golly, once you know it, people actually said, all right, that sounds like a good, pretty good idea. I like the idea of diversification in a syndication. So, so we did that. And um, so I was hosting a meetup and I, I was doing what I always tell people to do, tell people like what you're looking for. And so I said, you know, we're doing a syndication. I kind of explained how we did it. And I said, you know, we're looking to buy uh, basically four to like 20 unit buildings um, at, that, at, that, at that time across central PA. And wouldn't you know it, that night I get on Facebook and I am that says, uh, hey, I've got a 15-unit building in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, and it's off market. I've got the, I've got the uh, owner. He wants to sell, and he hasn't put in the market before, and he's interested in selling for uh, 500K. Would you be interested? Now, look, I, that, I mean, and it's a good building, in good shape. It's all rented. That, that building is worth 650 all day. Right. So it was a turnkey. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. ready to go. I mean, it, it, we've been able to increase rent some by actually turning some of the one bedrooms into two and stuff like that. But, but by and large, it was ready to go. And um, and so I was like, I got real excited, and I and I and I and I, um, I ended up saying yes. I said I I know the area. Um, you know, uh, well, uh, I'm happy to compensate you for this. Mm -hmm. I said, what what are you looking for in in kind of compensation as part of this deal? He said, oh, man, that's tough. He said, look, I can't take this down myself. Um, I don't, you know, I'm relatively new to wholesaling. If you could give me $2,000, that would be amazing. He said, I know, I know it's a, a big ask, but, you know. Um, and I said, yeah. look, I'll make, I'll make it three and we'll, you know, call it a deal. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was able to buy the property. What we actually did was we actually bought it in cash from the syndication, mm -hmm. um, paid the, essentially the wholesaler who never even, all he did was intro me. I mean, mm -hmm. it's really a bird dog more than anything else that, but he's yeah. thrilled. I mean, him and his wife hugged me when we gave him the money. They were so thrilled that we wow. would be able to give him the money. So they're thrilled. The seller hugged me at closing. He bought it for like 150 K 30 years ago or something. So he yeah. was thrilled. He's able to retire now. And mm -hmm. then for our syndication, we bought an asset that we were basically able to then refinance the asset and pull out all the money we put in to the, to the property. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we waited like six, 12 months. So we had everything, the rent's a little bit higher. Um, so mm -hmm. the, the, the investors in the syndication are, are also excited. Um, so I, I just, I, I don't know. I love that story of, of what's possible yeah. when you just tell people what you're trying to do. And, and it's not really about screwing anyone. It, it's more mm -hmm. about like everybody there won. Everybody walked <laughs> away thrilled. Uh, everybody kind of got what they want. So I, I kind of yeah. like that.
I like that story. That's good. Thank you for uh, sharing. And it also goes back to what we were initially talking about um, when we started. One of the benefits of investing in real estate is that there's also uh, appreciation. So over time, your property, it, its value is going to increase because of inflation and, and other factors around um, the area where you have that investment. Yeah, That's 100%. definitely why, why I like. Uh, yeah, no, hundred percent. Uh, I think yeah. sometimes people take that for granted. They're mm -hmm. they're looking for that immediate cash flow. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's kind of a miss. I think uh, you know you gotta yeah. be patient. So mm -hmm. you, if you don't have patience, it will it will teach you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no question about it. Uh, Through the process. Yeah. Um, now I'll, I'll tell you one more quick story here. So we, um, it's interesting. We just bought a property. <laughs> it's probably two blocks from the first property we ever bought. Um, I, I didn't buy anything for the last two years. The market was just too crazy. Uh, mm -hmm. We didn't we didn't feel like it made sense for us to buy anything. But mm -hmm. we um, we bought a single family home, and uh, we got it. You know, it was just um, actually a, a client of ours just wanted to liquidate some assets and, and shot us an email and said, "Hey, you know, do you know anyone who might want to buy a couple of these things?" and I looked at the one and said, yeah, I actually know someone. I think we'd, we'd probably buy that for you and we could probably, so we were able to, um, he wanted cash in a couple of weeks. We were able to accomplish that. Um, we bought it for about 92K. Uh, we put in a new, uh, it needed a new uh, gas furnace and it needed, um, it had a, the original hardwood floors were actually covered by really gross um, carpet that was kind of like raggedy. So we tore the carpet up and, um, it's actually going to be done hopefully then this week. Um, but we put in, you know, all in, we probably put like 8K into it to get the floors refinished, to get the new okay. gas furnace put in. Um, but what's interesting is that property is now, we think it's probably worth about 113, 114, 115, something like that. So, you know, I think one thing we've really learned about real estate is if you're able to, I mean, you know, getting traditional financing at the point of sale is great. But if you can get an asset closed without putting long-term financing on it, either you can pay cash for it or you use private lending or a syndication or wherever that money's coming from, if you can oh, kind of money. get it closed and then you can later refi that, which is what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to rent it and then we'll refi it out. You know, I mean, we're going to get a, not, I don't. I think some people think you have to get all your money out using that strategy. That we don't fundamentally believe that. So I think, you know, if I'm able to refi that property and be all in it for four thousand dollars, like that's a huge win, right? It's not like yeah. zero or nothing. Like some people are like, oh wow, I need to get all my money back. That's not like that's not reality, right? If I'm all in that property for four grand, when I'm all done, you know, from I think that's a huge win, and so. Uh, it's just kind of interesting how we've come a, a bit full circle that, yeah. uh, we still like that B class property. Um, you know, but if we can buy it and put some money into it and then refi that, that seems to be kind of what we prefer to do now. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, that, that boring single family home B class is, uh, is really attractive. And then just one more point I'll make, which is, um, you know, over the years we started moving towards buying things more and more in LLCs. Uh, which is uh, kind of like conventional wisdom, right? Buying an LLC, get, get legal protection. I think, mm -hmm. you know, I think one thing we started to do more of is, um, especially right now where interest rates are so low, is not be afraid to actually put a 30-year loan in place, um, actually buy it in your own name. And uh, interest rates are super low right now. That's right. That's right. So, you know, I mean, if you think about it, let's say you put, so you do a 30-year loan, you know, I don't know, your interest on that's going to be like, let's just say it's like 3.8 or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. The amount of money that you're going to save over time, as opposed to doing a commercial loan where it's a five-year fixed at like, you know, 4.2 or 4.5 or whatever, but then, you know, year six to 10, what's it going to be? And that's the, the, the great unknown. And who knows those numbers are, but mm -hmm. I just think that's really appealing to lock in that 30-year loan and if you're nervous about risk, you know, go out, get it, work with a good insurance company, you know, get an umbrella loan over top of it or something. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, get, by the way, get good property insurance, right? Um, work with an insurance agent who actually understands investing. Um, so I think there's a lot of, a lot of power to that approach 
And, you know, now look, when you get north of like four units, you can't, you can't do that. But for those one to four units up to like 10 uh, properties in your own name, there's a lot of power to buying an investment property in your own name right now, just because with interest rates where they are, to lock it in for 30 years is, is really powerful. That's good. Thank you for sharing. Um, well, yeah, you gave us uh, a lot to think about. Um, yeah, hopefully so it's have... fast, by the way. <laughs> yes. Sometimes I get I get rolling, and then uh... that, that's what happens when you're passionate about something. You you lose track of time. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I have two last questions for you. Um. Cool. Uh. One is um, in addition to property management, what else does Chad do, and then how do you manage your time? Yeah. So I guess we'll I'll kind of break up the what do I do into real estate and then non real estate. Um, and I'll caveat by saying I, like, I like working, so, uh, I don't, I don't find these things to all be work, I guess, but so, yeah, so we, uh, we, we do investing, we own a private management company, um, we operate a couple different, uh, co-working spaces called The Hive, uh, in a, in a few different areas. Um, we've gotten, we really got spent a lot more time actually on our insurance business. So we co-founded an insurance company called Red Rabbit Insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, the premise there is, I, by the way, I knew nothing about insurance about two years ago, but I knew that there was a huge problem that most insurance agents didn't understand investing. And so we met mm -hmm. what we think is the most knowledgeable insurance agent for investors. Um, his name mm -hmm. Ryan Dalbert and, uh, so it's called Red Rabbit Insurance um, and, and become really passionate about that and kind of growing that and helping investors really just find better, better priced, but also better uh, products for their investments. Um, we put, we saved a ton of money by, by Ryan kind of helping us out. So it's not a lot of time I, on the investment. I, on the, I used it myself, sorry, then, and I okay. saved, yep. Yeah, yeah, so uh, we were shocked. Uh, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. When I see people who uh, reach out, uh, who end up going with Red Rabbit, I get like I'll know someone for like six years, and I'll like I'll get like the biggest hug ever, and, and I'm like, what? And they're like, oh man, you just saved me five hundred dollars. You're the best. Like, God, yeah. we, like I've known you for a long time. Like it's kind of sad <laughs> that like now I get a, like a you know a good reaction, but um, yeah. So I spent a lot of time on that. Um, we were spending some time working uh, in a group on some technology. Um, surrounding making it easier to file evictions in the state of Pennsylvania, um, which sounds like super, super ridiculous, uh, but it's actually like a really hard process and very manual. And so we happened to kind of join a, a team that um, also agreed it didn't make any sense. And, and so kind of trying to turn that whole process into a much more fluid online path to filing evictions. Uh, so that's it's kind of a random uh, thing that we kind of, yeah. kind of passionate about. And then- yeah. I mean, outside of real estate, well, so I host the Real Estate Hackers podcast. If folks are into kind of the convergence of real estate and tech, uh, Real Estate Hackers is the name. And, uh, and then outside real estate, uh, so I've got a four-year-old daughter who is very energetic. Um, <laughs> so right now we're working on reading uh, Alice in Wonderland, which, mm. uh, you know, it's weird. I've never actually read the book. I thought it was going to be like, this really fun book for like a four-year-old it turns out it's like a really crazy story i don't know if anyone's ever read it before <laughs> uh but uh yeah so working through yeah. alice in wonderland with my daughter and uh okay. i am into sports so i i watch a lot of sports kind of in my free time awesome and how do you how do you manage uh all of that do you allocate your time to spend in business or and then in family or yeah, I mean, I, so I guess like one thing I would say, and this is me a little tricky, but like I, like I find real estate to be enjoyable. So mm -hmm. I guess the same way someone would be like, "Hey, do you want to play a game of chess?" or like, mm -hmm. "Do you want to play a game of cards?" Like, I I find what I do to be fun, and I, I you know, I guess if there's like one thing maybe people take from this today, it's mm -hmm. like find something that doesn't feel like work every day. Mm. So because of that, like. I, you know, I spend a lot of time doing real estate related activities. I, I hate to even call it work because it doesn't feel like work and business. I, it, it's, it's kind of what I do. And, mm -hmm. you know, so like tonight, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going here till eight o'clock. And, um, and so I, I guess what I'm trying to, and then, you know, I, I kind of like do that. And then I do like family stuff. Mm -hmm. I guess like what I don't do is 
I don't have like a lot of like hobbies or mm-hmm. I don't watch like like I don't even know what's on Netflix. Right? What's a Netflix show that's on right now? Like I probably, probably couldn't even tell you. Like I don't. Tiger, Tiger the King. Tiger the King. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I'm not a Netflix guy, so I don't know the latest. Like, but that's because mm-hmm. like, if if like, uh, what, what's the show? My wife watches some show about housewives or something. I don't know. You guys probably mm-hmm. even know what it is. I don't even know what it is. All I know is it's a bunch of women yelling at each other. It looks terrible to me. I don't know why she enjoys watching it. So when she watches that, I'm like on the computer looking at like the latest, you know, pro forma or whatever. And we're both really happy. Um, I don't know that answers your question, but I, I find myself, uh, because I enjoy something that happens to also create money and, 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 and I think do something good things for others. Uh, I find that to be like a really good sweet spot. And, and I encourage people to try to find that. Like work shouldn't suck. Um, and if it does, there's like a problem. And so hopefully, you know, I hope people can kind of find something they're passionate about. And, and it just so happens for me, it's, you know, real estate investing. And, and, uh, and by the way, within real estate, there's all sorts of different stuff, right? So like, mm-hmm. I find some people um, are really, you know, they'll like, so we have a lot of clients and we'll have clients sometimes who they'll buy like a property and like really like bad luck happens. And bad luck happens in real estate, right? So they'll buy a property and like the tenants need to get evicted. And, and then maybe like all of a sudden, like the roof, collapses and then like the sewer clogs and, and and it's like wow that was really that was really horrible and the owners will sometimes say things like i guess real estate's not for me <laughs> right and it's like well no you just got really unlucky like that doesn't mean real estate's not for you and i think that like i guess what i'm trying to say is that even within real estate there's different pockets of real estate and i think like finding the pocket of real estate that you enjoy is like really important and mm-hmm. so if you like uh you know, collaborating with people, then like you probably shouldn't real estate by like invest by yourself. Cause you're going to like hate that. Mm-hmm. Like go find a couple people to real, invest in real estate with. Right. If, mm-hmm. if you find you're really good at like, I don't know, raising money, then like go like Matt Faircloth is a very good friend of mine, a, uh, an investor out of uh, uh, New Jersey. He's decided he's going to spend the rest of his life just raising money. That's all he's going to do. He's going to just raise money and put it into various projects. He's not going to be the asset manager. He, he's not interested in that. He used to run a private management company. Actually, we now manage a lot of his properties. He doesn't want to manage properties. He doesn't want to be the asset manager. He doesn't want to find deals. All he wants to do is just go raise money and then put it into place with people that he really trusts. Mm. Um, and so I think it's really interesting, right? Like mm. here's Matt, who's like one of our good friends, who does something so different from what I do. And, and so different from what you do and different from other people on the call. And so I think that's like super crucial is like, gosh, if you like, if you're in real estate right now and you're like miserable, then figure out how to start spending more time on things you like doing and, and maybe like find other people to do the things you don't like to do. Um, and, and just to use Matt as that perfect example, like Matt, like did a, Matt was like running a, his own, he was like managing a hundred units. And so he was basically running a hundred unit property management company and he was raising money and he was the asset manager mm-hmm. and, and he was finding the deals and he looked across all those things and was like, I hate doing a lot of this stuff. I hate managing properties. Mm-hmm. I hate being the asset manager, but you know what? Golly, I really like going out and raise money. And so then he found a really good property manager and, and, and not just one, like three or four different management companies. Mm-hmm. And, and then he actually even found an asset manager. So he doesn't even asset manage his deals. He actually ties in someone into the equity side of his deal. So he'll do like a, a deal. And if he's getting uh, 20% GP mm-hmm. on, the, on the multifamily, he'll take that 20% and break it into maybe he'll give 2% to the person who's going to asset manage it, the asset long term. Um, which I think is, is, is just really interesting because like people would say like, why would you give up equity? Well, if you don't, mm-hmm. If you don't like being the asset manager and you like being the prime manager, then you're not going to like being in real estate. So instead, he's given up a little bit of the, of the pie, so to, mm-hmm. so to speak. But because of that, he's now spending all his time doing things he loves to do, mm-hmm. which if you're doing things you love to That's do, good. I mean, you know, I, like I don't even differentiate. So like yesterday, I got like yesterday, I mean, obviously yesterday was like a holiday, but I like I did real estate for like 
seven hours yesterday or something. I don't know. And I was like, I was really pumped. Like I was going through a multifamily pro forma and figured out a way and like the IRR is going to be 17% on this like new family construction deal that I'm really psyched we're doing with the Vanguard guys. And it was like awesome. And it didn't feel like work. Yeah, like if I would have had to do something in real estate, like I, I, I'm not like mechanical. So if I had to be like putting up drywall all day, it's like Nate, my, the business partner at Slate House. Yeah. He spent the weekend rehabbing his master, um, his, um, uh, like the master bath in his own personal house. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of a worse thing to do. Like that would have been horrible. You, if you could have, you could have paid me 10 grand, I would not have any desire to redesign a master bathroom. Um, and so anyway, I know it's a long story, mm-hmm. but I, I think the point I'm trying to get to is a lesson that Matt taught us, which was if you, if you really don't like doing something you, over time, you darn well better find someone who can fill that gap. Cause if not, you're going to kind of half-ass that cause you're never going to want to do it mm-hmm. and you're going to hate your life. So you're going to spend less time doing it. And if you can find those people who actually like doing it or those business partners who kind of compliment you, uh, you can go so much further in real estate. And so I, I know that all sounds kind of cliche, but I think that's like, it's really powerful. And it, it, we've, we've seen it work and almost all of the successful folks we know have really rock solid partners, <clears throat> either business partners or partnerships they found mm-hmm. to kind of complement the things that they're not as good at along the way. Wow. Tremendous value. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this interview and got some value out of it to help you in your real estate investing journey. If you can take just a minute, please do us a favor and leave a review. Hit the like button on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to our podcast on and subscribe so you can hear future episodes. Also, don't forget to check out our Real Estate Home Runs Podcast Community Facebook group where you are able to connect with some great listeners. If you're an investor who is crushing it and want to share some information centered around passive income in real estate, please contact us. Hit those home runs and we will see you next time.